Hey Church, how are you doing today? It's great to have you with us again. Before we jump into the message, today is Remembrance Sunday and we're going to take a moment at the end of this uh, to remember that. So stick with us um, and also please forgive us if we run over uh, the 11 o'clock. We absolutely will take uh, a minute's silence at the end of the message. So uh, just a bit of grace for, you know, dealing with technology and, and not being able to manage the timings quite as well. Um, I hope that's okay. Uh, I hope you're ready to hear from God today. He is so good, isn't he? Don't forget to drop some messages and amens and encouragement in the chat. That would be fantastic. But I believe that God wants to speak to us today. He wants to speak to each and every one of us. So I pray that your hearts are ready, that your ears are open and you are tuned in to what the Holy Spirit is going to say to us as we open the word together today. We are continuing with our series, Everyday Supernatural. I know a few of you have picked up this book by now, which is great. Uh, Mike Pilavacci and Andy Croft, just great uh, writers, really funny, down-to-earth guys. Um, I encourage you, if you've not got it, go and grab the book. So we've spent a couple of weeks now talking around the simplicity of, of living this spirit-led life and perhaps breaking down some barriers to to recognizing that that ultimately all it requires of us to live this kind of life is to spend time in God's presence to pursue his heart to look to him as our heavenly father and trust in the promise that he has given us he has given us the gift of the holy spirit to help us to guide us so that we can be effective in in growing the kingdom and ultimately bringing glory to God. He's made us a promise that if we ask, we will receive, that if we seek, we will find, and if we knock, the door will be opened to us. It's an incredible promise and we simply need to be in his presence, to, to trust in him, our Father, and know that he wants to bless us, to, to give us good gifts, to empower us with his Spirit. You know, Jesus, we said last week, Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit in order to, to carry out his mission here on earth. He did nothing in the supernatural, no healings, no miracles, nothing until he had been filled with the Spirit. Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit and so do we. And so we ask more, Lord. That's not a greedy request. It's a bold request that we are called to make, to be, to be persistent and to continue to pursue this gift that God has promised to us. So we pray more, Lord, of your Holy Spirit, that in the coming weeks we will hear testimonies of healings, of words of prophecy and knowledge and stories of supernatural faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know what I love about our reliance, this idea that we have to rely on the Holy Spirit, that we have to absolutely, that we need to trust in God in order to live this Spirit-led life. The thing I love is that it highlights the truth of how this 
this faith journey of ours works. God's power, our weakness. God's power, our weakness. In 2 Corinthians 12, Paul writes these words that God spoke to him. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My power is made perfect in weakness. God is able to move in power when we recognise that we can do nothing without him. That we need to, we have to, we must rely on God and not on ourselves. And then there was a passage that came up in a, as a word from God in life group this week found in 1 Corinthians that says, But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. I love that passage. It is such an encouragement. It gives me great comfort that God can use even someone like me, someone weak and foolish, someone who mumbles and stumbles and waffles on far too often to share the good news of Jesus because there's absolutely no doubt it's not about me, it's nothing I'm doing, it's all about God. It's all about God. When we know our weakness, we can trust his strength. When we know our weakness, we can trust his strength. Do you know, to, uh, to sit under the teaching of a, of a rabbi in Jesus' day, was this, it was a position of privilege. It was a place held for, for the best of the best. To be recruited by a rabbi was like being accepted to Oxford or Cambridge University. This was the, the real deal. It was an honour. Except it was, even, it was even more than that, because to be in, invited to become Talmudim, a, a disciple, it meant, it meant to give up everything, to, you know, often to have to relocate and to devote this long period of time to learning not just knowledge from the rabbi, but also character. And yet, despite this kind of position of priority, of privilege, this, this great honour of being chosen to be a disciple, who did Jesus choose? Who did Jesus invite to learn from him, to live with him, to ultimately become like him? A bunch of nobodies, the worst of the worst, some might say, a zealot, a tax collector, a doubter, bad-tempered brothers, not exactly a group that you would call anointed or the select or worthy in any way. And the reason that I'm emphasising this is that as we journey together in living a spirit-led life is that we can far too easily doubt or question ourselves, can't we? I just need to get this right, or I just need to work on this bit of my life. And, and once I've done that, then I'll be ready to put these teachings into action. Well, let me tell you today, you don't have to wait until you have it all together, ironed out, sorted out, or figured out before you're willing to step out. I'm encouraging you, step out, don't wait. God's power is not made perfect in our comfort zones, but in our weakness. God's power, 
our weakness. This perfect picture of how we should walk this faith journey. God chose the disciples and now he's choosing us. Not worthy, a bit useless, a bit bumbly and and fumbly, but he can use us. So hopefully you're getting this picture by now that in order for God to move in, uh, in order for us to live a spirit-led life, you don't need to have a specific set of qualifications. You don't need to have good references or previous experience or anything like that. The truth is, everyone gets to play. Everyone gets to play. You know, it's absolutely true that, that certain people flow in specific gifts. And, and you'll find that people might have a healing ministry or a prophetic ministry. And, and I can think that, that sometimes we can almost be guilty of, of looking to them to exercise the gift when we see a need. But in reality, just because we don't have a prophetic ministry doesn't mean we can't prophesy. We might not be called to be pastors or evangelists, but we're all called to witness and to love each other. And the Bible encourages us to to hear God speak, to speak in tongues, to pray for the sick. So don't rule yourself out of walking in any of the gifts on any grounds that you might be able to come up with or think of. Don't look to a person look to the Spirit. Let me ask you this, do you want God to use you? Do you long to see God's power flow through you to set people free? Do you want your words to bring revelation of Jesus into people's hearts and minds? If you're answering yes to any of those questions, you need to be walking in the Spirit, don't wait, step out now. The gifts of the Spirit, they're not status symbols or or rewards for being super spiritual. They are simply God's power, freely given to normal, everyday, weak people like you and like me, so that we can be effective in bringing about his kingdom in our world. Everyone gets to play. Let's read from uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It says this. Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are a variety of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another the working of miracles. To another prophecy. To another the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Over the next three weeks, we're going to have a look at just a few of these 
gifts in a, in a bit more depth. And so with the time that I've got left today, we're going to be talking about the gift of tongues. Now, at first glance, this gift of tongues, it might seem a bit weird. And we're supposed to be talking about living a spirit-led life without being weird. You know, this idea of speaking in languages that we haven't learned, it seems bizarre, doesn't it? At least it does to me. And yet it's 100% biblical, and many Christians, including myself, find it a really helpful way to pray and to praise God. You know, I remember the first time uh, I asked to receive the gift of tongues. It was at our previous church in Blackpool, probably about 12 years ago now. And we were at Life Group and we'd been discussing and studying the gifts of the Spirit like we are now. And a few of the people in the group had experienced various gifts, whether it was tongues or prophecy or, or healing or whatever. But I hadn't personally experienced any of it myself at that time. And so there was this opportunity to get prayer, to receive an infilling of the Holy Spirit. And, and specifically in this meeting I'm talking about, receiving the gift of tongues. And so I remember we were split into two rooms, the ladies in one room and the guys in the other, and, and it was my turn to be prayed for. So I sat on a chair in this fairly small box room with a group of about five or six guys around me, uh, and, and they begin, began to pray that I would receive the gift of the Spirit, and, uh, of the Spirit of tongues. And, and I, you know, they began to pray, some in English, some in, in the Spirit, and and then one of the group began to pray specifically that the Holy Spirit would impart me and fill me and give me the gift of tongues. And I was doing everything right. Or so I thought I was in the correct receiving position. My eyes were closed. I was amening and, and nodding at appropriate moments. And then I'm sitting there and I'm waiting and I'm listening to these guys praying in tongues. And I'm waiting. And I'm sitting there and I'm listening. And, and nothing was happening. Nothing was happening. And, and so after a while, I, I stood up and I thanked the guys for, for praying for me. And, and we moved on to begin to pray for the next person. And I'm not going to lie, I, I left that evening feeling a little bit deflated. Didn't I deserve to be blessed by God in this way? Wasn't I good enough? What, what was wrong with me? One scholar has described uh, the gift like this. Speaking in tongues or, or praying in the Spirit happens when a Christian believer allows the indwelling of the Spirit to guide the form of words he utters. It's not an act of ventriloquism, but an act of collaboration. And this is where I went wrong in that life group prayer session. But I'll fill you in more on that later on. I don't know about you, but I love a freebie. If they are giving away samples in the supermarket or in the high street, if there's a free pen available at a conference, it is like I've hit the jackpot. I am right there. I'm helping myself. Whatever it is, I am having it. And last summer, 
Um, I took my mum to the Great British Food Festival. Oh my gosh, we were in our element. There were free samples of cheese and pies. There were baking demonstrations from previous Bake Off uh, entrance competitors and, and with samples afterwards, you can go and try these delicious things that you've been watching them baking. One of those, you know, here's one I made earlier kind of moments. Oh, my mouth's watering, even remembering it. But when we first arrived at the festival and, you know, I showed the guys our tickets and we went in, we were presented with a bag, a free bag. And then we were directed towards this table that was full of freebies. And so along we went with our bag, helping ourselves to all these different items, just one of each being, you know, good, good uh, attendees. Some people took more than one, just saying. And we didn't really pay attention. We just put them in our bags. And then we went and sat down and had a brew before we'd start to look around. And we start to kind of rummage through this bag and, and see what we'd been given. I'm not going to lie. We were highly disappointed. In this bag, there were some very unappetizing looking cereal bars. There were rice cakes in flavors that should not have been put into production. There were some weird vitamin things. It was just really underwhelming. I mean, at least the bag was okay. And I think there might have been a pen. I, I'm not sure. But the reality is that whilst we were, we were given some pretty disappointing gifts, at this festival, there is one who we can be sure of that only gives good gifts. Jesus says, if, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, much better gifts than those from the festival, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? There are no disappointing gifts coming from God. He is reserving only the good stuff for you and me. So like we said last week, we just need to accept, we need to ask, and we need to trust in him to deliver. So that passage we read in, in 1 Corinthians, that was Paul writing to the church in Corinth. He's, he's essentially writing with the aim of helping them to use the gifts of the Spirit better. And from the context, as you read through the, the letter, you'll see that perhaps the church is getting a little bit out of hand with the way in which they're using these gifts. And he speaks specifically into the gift of tongues. Now, the gift of tongues, there are, there are different manifestations of this gift. And they have Greek names that I am not even going to try to pronounce because they are ridiculous. But essentially, these, these three kind of manifestations of the Spirit uh, go like this. There's a time when the speaker would pray in an actual foreign language that they don't know, but it is known by a hearer in the room or whatever without needing an interpretation. And that's what we see happen at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes. And alternatively, it might be that someone speaks out in a, in a worldly language that neither the speaker nor any of the hearers understand. And so in that case, an interpretation is required. And so, so both of these are iterations, essentially, where the gift is being used in a public setting. 
And then the third example of, of this is, is for personal and private use, praying in tongues in your, in your quiet time, in your personal devotion. The gift and the, the primary use of the spiritual gifts is essentially to, to build up the church. And so Paul makes it clear to us, as you read through this letter, that where there are public uses of tongues, there should be an interpretation. He makes his stance quite clear, interpret or zip it is the way I want to put it. And then he sets about some other guidelines too about the number of words that should be given in a meeting and things like that. But essentially he's laying the the foundation and the groundwork and the structure of how to effectively and correctly use this gift. So let's just have a look at a couple of verses a bit later on in his letter to the church in Corinth. In chapter 14 it says this, For if I pray in a tongue... My spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I'll sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. If you've, if you've, ever, uh, if you've never had a personal experience of, of praying in the spirit, then this gives a, a glimpse into the balance that needs to be struck in our prayer and praise to God. We should pray in our minds, in English, in our our first language, with a full understanding of the words that we're speaking out. You might call that normal prayer, if you want. But we should also pray in the spirit, that is, using the gift of tongues with no understanding of what it is that we're saying. And this is where prayer becomes no longer normal, but more of an adventure because we're allowing the resident boss to take over the words that we're speaking. But let's just pick up on that word, unfruitful. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Unfruitful here, it doesn't mean mindless. It means that we don't need our minds to find the words. So what that means is that when we run out of the words in, in, in the English language, in our first language, the, the gift of tongues, praying in the Spirit, then allows us to continue our prayer and our worship to pour out of the, our hearts by the power of the Spirit. For me personally, I find this iteration of the gift incredibly useful, you know, particularly when I've got no idea what or how I should pray. You know, when you're faced with an impossible situation, you can't see an outcome or you you just can't find the words that seem right to say to God in a given moment. When you just don't know what to pray, that's when I let the Spirit take over. Look at what Paul writes to, to the Romans. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought, But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. Sometimes when we're we're praying to God, we we might come with our, our lists Maybe we've got some people we want to pray for and we're praying methodically through this list. And then, I don't know, after a few minutes of praying for the same person, 
we get stuck or we find ourselves on repeat or we exhaust all of the usual phrases that we say in our prayer and I, I don't know maybe that's just me but it's in those moments where the spirit can help us because he always knows what to pray for he always knows what to pray for and he can pray through each of us it's an incredible thought isn't it praying in the spirit allows him to take control and pray what we don't know how to pray and praying in the spirit it can help us draw near to god look at this quote from r.a tory on prayer shall we stop praying and wait until sometime when we feel like praying no when we least feel like praying and when god is least real to us is the time we need to pray most what shall we do then simply be quiet look up to god and ask god to fulfill his promise and send his holy spirit to lead us into his presence and the holy spirit will make god real to us then wait and expect and he will come it's powerful isn't it because it's the spirit's job to lead us into the presence of God and to make God real to us. And I believe that, that praying in tongues isn't the only way that this can happen, but it is one of the ways. And while the Bible says that, that the gift of tongues isn't the most important of gifts, it can be a phenomenal blessing when we use it well. You know, often when we pray in the Spirit, we're we're more aware not only of God's presence but of his love and who doesn't want more of that in their lives this greater awareness of his love and his presence in our lives and as well as as drawing close to God praying in tongues can be useful for for breakthrough you know whether that's in the physical or in the spiritual this gift has been given to us as a as a tool by God when we're facing spiritual warfare. When we're praying in, in the spirit in our personal prayer times, it, it can be used to, to build us up, to give us faith and hope that, that comes only from God, to give us the, the confidence to face whatever it is that we're facing and whatever circumstances we're dealing with. Praying in the spirit can, can be used as this tool to see breakthrough in our lives and the lives of others so how do we receive this gift how do we receive this thing that sounds so amazing well we talked about it last week didn't we it's not really any different to receiving an infilling of the Holy Spirit we need to ask for it we need to ask for it Jesus reminds us ask seek knock and our prayers will be heard we need to trust the giver the one who knows how to give good and perfect gifts to believe that God wants us to have this gift that he has got for us and we need to step out and this is where I went wrong that first time I received prayer for the gift of tongues as I waited in that room with uh, with expectation and hope and if I'm honest a little hesitation I'm not really sure what it was that I was expecting to happen 
I think if I'm truly honest, I was, I was actually expecting some kind of supernatural takeover for God to literally take control of my mouth and just start speaking words without me having to do anything. I don't know if that's weird or if that's what other people have felt, but that's what I was thinking in that moment. And that's probably why, or almost definitely why, nothing happened. I wasn't stepping out. I was asking and and expectant, but I didn't step out. But the second time I asked to receive the gift of the uh, uh, the gift of tongues, it was a, probably about five years later at a Soul Survivor Festival. And I love the way Mike Pilavacci explains his gift, uh, his experience of receiving this gift. It's in the book if you want to uh, read it. But my experience is not too dissimilar to his, actually, except he was a bit more of a showman with it. So I'm in the meeting and there was this call for anyone who wanted to receive the gift of tongues uh, to, to, you know, open their arms and to uh, receive this prayer. Except there was this explanation that there was not going to be a supernatural takeover, but that it was going to require from us a step of faith. Well, I'm like, what the heck does that look like? Do I just start speaking gobbledygook and hope for the best? So there I am in this meeting with thousands of others, and I've assumed the correct receiving position again. Only after a little while, you know, of settling my heart and and just waiting on God, I actually began to speak out. No word of a lie, I felt like an absolute fraud. I felt like I was just making up words and then speaking them out. But the difference was that as I began to speak, I felt God's presence draw close. You know, it felt unnatural at first, but, and there were doubts about what I was doing, but I believe that they, those doubts were the enemy speaking to me and whispering in my ear, you're just making this up. You're a fraud, you're a fake. But like I say, I continued to pray out in this unknown language and I felt God's presence with me. I felt peace. And then after a while, I didn't care anymore what it was that I was saying. I was just praying and and praising God. And as Mike says, uh, if it's gobbledygook, then let it be gobbledygook for the Lord. We need to ask for the gift. We need to trust the giver, and then we actually need to step out. Step out. So I'd encourage you, if you've never tried before, give it a go. It might feel weird. It probably will feel weird and uncomfortable like it did for me. But as you begin to to practice, as you step out, as you continue to use this gift, it will begin to grow. You know, it might start off as as just one phrase that you're saying uh, over and over again. And and that's absolutely fine because, you know, it's a bit like learning your ABCs. As you keep practicing, your spirit language will grow and so will your confidence in exercising it, in using it. We're going to give opportunity this week on Wednesday in Life Group for people who haven't received the gift of tongues to receive it if they want. And I think it should be fun. (laughs) Here's a misconception I had uh, about the gift and something that confused me about tongues until very recently, actually. You know, the word 
The word has been translated as tongues, but essentially it can be translated as languages. It simply means speaking in another language. And the spiritual element of that is that it's a language you've never learnt, you've never even heard of, possibly. Well, my assumption was that in speaking uh, in, the, in tongues, in speaking and praying in my spirit language, is that I was speaking in a heavenly language. And the Bible talks about speaking in the language of angels. It's in there, so it's possible. And I suppose that that's what I thought I was doing when I'm praying in tongues. But that actually might not be the case. As we see at Pentecost in Acts 2, those who received the gift of the Holy Spirit began to speak out in tongues, and there were people in the, in the crowd, hearers from every nation, it says, that heard what was being said in their own language. And in my studies, I've, I've gone on to read these examples, one from Mike in the book and a couple of others, of people who have been speaking out in their spirit language, not knowing that it was a real language, and then having it confirmed that someone in the room has heard what they've said and that it was, in fact, a, an earthly language. And so now I'm, I'm thinking that it's highly possible in fact, even probable that my spirit language, the words that I say when I'm praying in tongues, uh, is probably a real language, just not one that I've ever heard of. It's quite intriguing, really. So actually, I hope that I get an opportunity and the, the, uh, the gift to speak out and have it confirmed to me. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? It'd be so cool to say, ah, oh, I spoke in whatever without having a clue, without ever learning it. So we've covered the, the what and the how, and so it makes sense to close on the why. Why would we want to receive the gift of tongues? Well, it could be argued that the simple fact that God has made this gift available to us should be reason enough. Do we really need anything more than that? But this is a gift of purpose, as all of the gifts of the Spirit are. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but some of the purposes of this gift, the reasons why we should want to, uh, to receive it, is that it can, be, uh, it can be a sign for unbelievers. Jesus says, as part of the Great Commission, and these signs will accompany those who believe. In my name they will cast out demons, and they will speak in new tongues, in new languages. So it can be a sign to unbelievers. But actually, this is a bit of a funny one, because although it can be a sign, it can also be a barrier. I don't know about you, but I think I imagine walking into a church and hearing someone speaking out in tongues for the first time would be pretty weird. And so actually, it can almost be off-putting, which is why Paul outlines how tongues should be used with interpretation and, and all of that stuff. So it can be a sign for unbelievers. But it can also be for personal edification, like I've talked about, that kind of private prayer language when we just don't know how to pray. When we've run out of words to pray, we let the Spirit take over and it just flows from the Spirit to the Father. And then the third one that I'm going to give today is for the edification of the church where there's actually a speaking out of tongues and then an interpretation that, that will edify, it'll build up the church, it'll build faith, it'll cause people to, to grow and to, to draw closer 
to God. So there is absolutely a reason why. So I encourage you to be pursuing this gift if you've not before. And let me close with this. If you've never experienced the gift of tongues, if you've never stepped out and actually given it a go, then I encourage you to try it. If you want to join us in Life Group on Wednesday, it would be great to have you. We can talk about this a bit more, share some experiences, and then create some space uh, to, to have a go. Or if you prefer to do it in the privacy and the comfort of your own home or whatever, that's great too. Whatever is comfortable for you. But this is a gift that God is making available. And he encourages us to pursue it and that we should all speak in tongues. So give it a go. Dr. Pett says this, how grateful we should be that God has provided this wonderful way in which we may praise God with our spirits. As we praise him in a language we do not understand, we are set free from the limitations imposed on us by our finite minds. How great is that? Let's break free from our earthly limitations and begin to pray in the spirit prayers of infinite possibility. Why don't we pray? Father God, we thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit that dwells within us so that we can uh, acknowledge you as Lord and Saviour and to uh, do our best through you to advance your kingdom, to share the good news, to grow uh, disciples. And I thank you for the gifts of the Spirit that you make available to us to equip us to do this mission effectively. And so we pray uh, that we will receive any one of these gifts that may be appropriate for in, a, in, a, in whatever given circumstance. But this morning we pray for the gift of tongues. That anyone who is, is watching or hearing this today that, that has never received this gift but has a desire to speak in their spirit language, that you would bless them now, God. That you would give them the boldness and the courage to step out to step out and begin to speak words and allow you to, to form those into words of a real language, whether earthly or heavenly. And I pray that as they do, in their private time, it will be used to build them up, to grow their faith, to, to fill that gap when we no longer know how to pray or what we should pray. And God, we, we thank you for this gift as a, as a wider use for, for growing your church and for witnessing to unbelievers. And we pray that when we meet again in, in, in person, that you will allow these gifts to flow, that the that, that Holy Spirit, you would move and that we would know your presence and that we would be built up and we would grow as a church in faith, uh, in stature, in boldness, in courage. And so we thank you that you are a good father, that you want to give us good gifts and that you make this readily available to those who ask and seek and knock. And so for anyone this morning who is praying to receive this gift, would you bless them now? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.